Oh, hi. It's Crystal here. You know, your favorite hairy lady from RuPaul's Drag Race UK. And Jean-Claude Van Damme doing the splits made me queer. And welcome to The Things That Made Me Queer, the podcast that delves into the queer experience using the pop culture and real-life moments that shaped us. Each week, my special guest will bring me a person, a place, music, a film or TV series, and a wildcard that were formative in their queer development, and we will use them to tell their queer story. I just wanted to talk about the word queer itself. Obviously, I use the word a lot, and it's in the title of the podcast. For me, I think it's a brilliant way of saying not straight. Uh, and really encompasses the richness of the LGBTQIA plus community. And that's a community that I am trying to show all of the richness of with this podcast. Um, but I totally appreciate that queer is not a word that everyone likes and it might not feel right for you. So feel free to just substitute any word that makes you feel gorgeous. And just some food for thought that gay was also originally a slur before it was reclaimed and that queer has been reclaimed since as early as the 1910s. Anyway, on with the show! So, today's guest. Wow. She is a bona fide rock star and a trailblazing, radical, queer feminist one at that. First rising to fame as part of La Tigra and continuing with projects such as Men and Crickets with an album out this year... It is absolutely no exaggeration to say that she helped shape the queer sounds of a generation. Her work with La Tigra is definitely one of the things that made me queer. I still love performing to their songs. And I've been lucky enough to see her in concert a few times. Her energy and passion on the stage is so inspirational. It is my massive, nerve-jangling honor to welcome to the podcast, J.D. Samson. Hi, J.D. Hi, how are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Oh, you know, it's kind of a funny day. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a funny day. <laughs> um, to everyone listening, I have no idea when this is going to come out, but today is Friday after the election, um, and I think we're all losing our minds. Something like that. <laughs> how are I'm you feeling right now? Oh, you know, I, I guess I'm just not sure... I, I'm the kind of person that doesn't like to have expectations mm-hmm. so that I can be wowed by reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so going into this week, I was not hopeful mm-hmm. and um, pretty much catastrophizing everything uh, so that I could potentially have some positive, um, you know, feelings. Yes. And, I really um, relate to that. <laughs> I say that at the beginning of every show, I say, lower your expectations. And then, you know, they're going to get a great show. <laughs> yeah, it's like, how many times did I force my band to leave two hours early just in case there was an accident? And then we left <laughs> two right. hours early. Right. Wow. Planning ahead. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. We're we're just waiting. And that's all I can say. Yeah. Um, I'm personally thankful to have an excuse to stop refreshing various news sites for an hour. Um, cause I don't think it's good for me anymore. I'm so happy to be spending this time with you. 
<laughs> Thank you. Um, before we get into it, can I ask you um, how you identify and your preferred pronouns? Yeah. Thank you for asking. I identify as genderqueer, and I guess that fits into a non-binary space, but my pronouns are she and her, although I accept whatever anybody wants to call me. I'm pretty easygoing about it. Great. Well, that's that makes everything easier. Um, and I... I'm trying not to, like, talk to people too much about the doldrums of the pandemic, because I think we're all sick to death of ask, people asking us how lockdown has been and how all of that. But maybe you could tell me something great that happened this year. Oh, wow. Well, I teach full time right now at NYU um, in the Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music. And it has been fascinating to support young artists who uh, would normally be performing in live mm. venues. Um, to kind of see a new version of themselves as performers um, via the internet and streaming platforms, etc. So it's been cool to explore that new territory with young people and who knows where it'll take us, you know, it's kind of a cool new space. Yeah, actually, I mean, I, again, I relate to that so much through drag because mm. um, we've really seen a lot of innovation this year in terms of, oh, okay, I guess I'll try that. <laughs> For sure. Actually, my last assignment was related to drag because so many innovative, um, you know, basically, I think drag and performance art and video art has been instrumental in these innovative changes. So I had my students take cues from drag performers this summer. Yeah, with mixed results. <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> enough said. <laughs> I think, you know, many people have, have their um, gestures down. Yeah. Put it that way. Sure. You also put out an album this year. Yeah, I did. I, I worked on... Kind of a fun project with my bandmate from Men, Michael O'Neill, and Roddy Bottom mm -hmm. from Faith No More, and Man on Man, his new project, Ooh. his new gay, gay lover project. And it's called Crickets, and it was an experiment in minimal performance. Uh, we, we wrote everything as a jam. We recorded live to tape, and... Uh, we never really used a computer until the very final mix. Amazing. So, yeah, it was really fun and nice to try new things, experiment for your community, get mm. back into um, just exploring artistry rather than trying to be on the front page of something. I don't know anything about music, like except that I like listening to it and I like what I, you know, I know what I like. But, you know, listening to crickets, I couldn't, tell it was lo-fi like I didn't I didn't know that oh and then I was looking up a little bit about it today and I was like oh that's so cool I had no idea and maybe maybe you've always had a little bit of a lo-fi kind of sound and that's kind and maybe so I just expected that I don't know but it was like I didn't I didn't know and that's kind of neat too that like your your rough and ready to me sounds like polished 
Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I think there, it's interesting. There's like many ways to be lo-fi or DIY yeah. within the music um, application or something. So I think this project was specifically just about like not editing too much. Hmm. Whereas my other projects have been like all about editing. Hmm. Um, like how finely can we edit this and like how, how tiny and infinitesimal are each mm. little piece of this collage, mm. you know, and this one is just kind of these like long pieces. Yeah. I, I feel like sometimes I do the same with drag or it can just be like doing a photo shoot or something and you look at something for way too long and you can pick it apart and you can sometimes end up with something really amazing off the back of doing all of that. And sometimes actually you kind of kill the baby. I don't know. Yeah, well, at what point does, like, audio really become about, or nowadays when you're looking at a computer, like, at what point does it become a visual art? Because we're just, like, looking at waveforms and putting Uh... them together. So this project was kind of like, let's not look at it. Like, let's just hear it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and feel it. Sign up for JD's class. (laughs) (laughs) I also think that's really interesting as well, because... I don't know. I when I think about musicians and like any artist that I really admire, I tend to think that everything that they've done is incredibly intentional, and um, I like just cut all the slack for for anyone that I admire. So if even if there's a thing that like maybe isn't correct, I would be like, oh, that's so cool that they put that in intentionally, and yeah. But that's like the humanity humanity of it. Like that's that's why I like any art form is to see that nuance of like, Mm. there's a person behind this, Mm -hmm. you know, like when someone cracks a smile or, you know, breaks character. Mm. I kind of think that's like the most beautiful part. Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, um, I am so glad that you made the time for me today. So thank you so much. Yeah. Are you ready to get into the things that made you queer? Yeah, I am. Let's do it. Um, As you know, Uh, because I already explained it to you. Um, Every episode, my guest brings five items, a person, place, uh, a bit of music, a bit of film, and a wild card that were kind of formative in their queer development. And we kind of put them into chronological order, and we use them to talk about your queer experience. So up first, you've you've mashed together two, because you're an absolute iconoclast. (laughs) (laughs) And you've put your person and place together, and... um... Place person i'll let you explain this to me because i'm i don't understand but we're in key west yeah okay so i'm 15 Uh i grew up in cleveland ohio a suburb Mm -hmm. of cleveland ohio and um that suburb went blue this week but my state was red so i just want to put that put that out there Mm -hmm. um this was 1990s i was you know, angry. I was an angry child. I didn't know why. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I just didn't feel like I fit in. And uh, my family was driving from the suburbs of Cleveland to Key West to meet my cousins. Mm -hmm. It was a very long drive, took several days. And we finally arrived there. And I remember we went to this craft bazaar, like some you know, group of little huts that yeah. had people making ceramic plates and embroidered t-shirts. Yeah. And I saw this woman who 
looked like a lesbian. She had very short hair, maybe a flat top. It was gray. Mm -hmm. She had a baggy t-shirt on and she had a very long braided tail in the back of her hair that went down to like her butt. Mm. And I remember looking at her, um, I was really, you know, frowny and my family was all (laughs) inside of one of the craft huts. And I was like sitting on some steps mad at them for something, you know? And uh, I saw this woman and I thought to myself, wow, that person's a lesbian. And then in my mind, I thought, O-M-G, I am a lesbian. Wow. Just right in that moment. Like that, that much of a light bulb. (laughs) Yeah. That's incredible. It was very extreme. Yeah. It was, it was very, it's interesting because I often think back that that space, like that town, that like queer enclave is like such a part of my identity. And I have never been back then. Wow. I don't think I know anyone who can pinpoint the moment they knew. Like that's an incredible, that's kind of a wonderful thing in a, in a way, but it must've been kind of traumatic. Well, it was like this aha moment where I had kind of, it's like kind of like if you get diagnosed with like something that you've been wondering about for a long time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't mean to pathologize queerness or anything, (laughs) but um, I will say that it was, it was this aha moment where I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I don't have to be so angry. Like Mm. I am part of something and I didn't realize what was keeping me down and, and making me feel so separate and isolated and what I saw was like a community that was supporting each other around their identity and it was really powerful. You said that Ohio is kind of a red state like was it quite conformist and and how again how was that with your family as well? Well my aunt I was actually going to bring this up because I was I was going back and forth whether or not I was going to say my aunt for the person or if I was going to say this woman with the long braided tail. Mm -hmm. But my aunt was actually a lesbian. And I found out that she was a lesbian when I was in fourth grade. And it was it was kind of like shared with me as something that I wasn't supposed to do. Right. As um, something shameful. And I really didn't understand the magnitude of, of what that experience was like to, to be, sh- to be told in that way. Mm. Um, kind of until I saw the woman with the braided tail, mm. <laughs> but mm. um, my, other than that, I, I mean, I did feel like it was possible to be out. It was um, possible to have pride is it was possible to have a life and a job and um, a lover and to be, have support. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I definitely am grateful that I, there was somebody in my life that, that, that I could see was, was thriving mm-hmm. as a queer person. Um, but yeah, generally in the nineties in Ohio, it was like pretty conservative. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. E- yeah. Even if we voted like democratic, it, it still felt conservative in terms of like. Queerness. Yeah. yeah. I always think it would be such a head fuck to be raising a queer kid because especially like if you're straight, because 
I think we all have those like singular moments that we just remember that are embedded and and to your parents it might seem like nothing or a throwaway moment but like you'd never know what's gonna get emblazoned as like that was the moment I felt shame and like imagine being responsible for that it's like it's a big thing yeah totally yeah I remember being at the art museum this one time and hearing this guy talking and he was like limp-wristed and um I remember somebody saying like oh he must be gay or something Mm -hmm. because he like quite literally was, <laughs> was like, literally limp- limp- yeah. and um <laughs> and so for a long time i thought that that's what gay was <laughs> like i thought that it was about having limp wrists or something so <laughs> is he you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that yeah it's interesting what you like grab onto yeah and like Obviously, the whole world, especially, I don't know, when I was a kid and like when you were a kid, the whole world is kind of telling you eh, it's it's not really OK, even if there's like glimmers of hope or like, yeah, you can make it work if you have to and all of those things. And then so even if your parents are like broadly supportive, um, that's kind of a lot to overcome, I guess. Um but going back to this woman with the braided tail, I want to know a little bit more about her because she sounds like a fashion icon. I wish I knew more about her. Yeah, yeah. she was definitely a fashion icon. Have you ever explored a rat tail? In I remember one time in La Tibra, Johanna used to cut my hair because we were on tour in punks and whatever. Yeah. And we were playing in San Francisco. And... Gosh, I can't remember the name of the venue. It was something like Music Hall something. I don't remember. And she accidentally, like, cut off my tail. (gasps) And it was, like, this very odd moment for me where I had to let go of, like, my dream of becoming the woman with the braided tail. Oh, my God. But it wasn't very long, probably three inches or so. <laughs> but, you know, now that we're talking about it, it could be a cool pandemic trick, you know, <laughs> just start working on it now. It's yeah. not too late. No, I could, I could, you know, come out of this with like my dreams coming true. <laughs> <laughs> the braiding really adds a whole other dimension as well. Like not oh, just, yeah. Not just a rat tail, but a braided one. It, also, it was a flat top on top mm. and and gray, which I'm mm. definitely I'm I'm like on my way to gray right now. I'm wearing a hat, so you can't tell. But yeah, I'm also picturing um, like a nice high waisted, really stonewashed jean, and probably some kick ass boots. Yeah, I mean, it was very hot, mind uh, you. Of course, so Florida. I would say I think it was like shorts long shorts maybe and some sort of sandal okay is my guess dreams some sort crushed. of tiva, <laughs> tiva sandal or something i also <laughs> dreams i also now am picturing um this woman turning back to you in slow motion and like flipping her head but just the braid like swinging <laughs> and maybe doing that beyonce thing have you seen that gif of beyonce where she swings her braid and it coils around and lands back on her shoulder in this perfect Ooh, like no. serpent tail i mean Ooh. sounds like she could do that basically <laughs> that that sounds like a meme that i would 
never get sick of posting. It's really satisfying. Sending to friends. (laughs) I will send it to you after this. (laughs) That'll be my gift to you. Um, So after, after seeing this, uh, this woman, what, like, did, did something change in you? Yeah. Well, I think mostly what was going on for me at the time was like, I was falling in love with my best friend. And I didn't realize that I was falling in love with her. I thought I was just like obsessed with our friendship. And and I think that that happens to some extent when you're a teenager. Um, like you just create this like magical quality around friends and cool people and people you want to be like and whatever it is. And so I had gone on this trip with my family and like we didn't have cell phones or anything. I was, it was like far apart from this girl. Naomi and um (laughs) so I think I was just like angry for the whole week because I was like separated from this person that I was like falling for and I was with my family and whatever all those feelings so when I saw this woman I was just like wow that person's a lesbian they're out they have this community blah 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 and then I thought to myself like oh wow wow okay I am a lesbian. That's what's going on. There's, there's like an answer here and I feel better now. You know, it was like, Mm. I think after that point in the trip, I was like able to consider how I fit into the world Mm. or like how I potentially would fit into the world. I think probably Mm. was more like, yeah. Mm. Well, that's a wonderful story. I love it. And it's so, (laughs) it's, it's so visceral. (laughs) And it's like every year I say, I'm going to go back there. Yeah. You need to go. I know, but it's weird. It's like, there's not really, it's a funny place now. Mm. Have you been there? I've been, no, I've never been to Key West, but I've been to Florida. Um, I can imagine it's a funny place. (laughs) Yeah. But I I will go back. I promise. Or Key West, I'm coming for you. (laughs) Watch out. (laughs) (laughs) um well maybe that moves us on nicely to your next item which is your film or tv show film or tv series and you've put um in the life yes um well around the same time um i stumbled upon this tv show called in the life which was on PBS, which is like the public broadcasting mm-hmm. system, yeah. which is public TV in the States. And in my town, In the Life came on at like 1 a.m. or something or 2 a.m. Oh. Um, I think it was on the weekend, although it might have been a weekday. I don't I don't remember, but it was like definitely a time when no one was watching TV. Mm-hmm. It must have been a weekday. I don't know. And it was like all these queer people it was a news show so it was it was like 60 minutes but it was all gay people and they would talk about art and music and um protest and you know all kinds of things books Mm -hmm. and it was awesome so i learned all about queer history from this show and i remember watching it and being afraid that my family would come downstairs and see that i was watching this show um, so it really felt like also another way that I could see what was happening outside of Ohio and kind of like this feeling of it gets better, you know, like mm. there's this world out there for me. And I think once I escaped this 
this like you know town i'll be able to explore all these amazing dreams and fantasies and whatever else so yeah that was the show it, it makes me feel embarrassed because you're watching like queer news and getting like informed and i'm watching like emmanuel trying to catch a glimpse of some men's butts at 1am <laughs> on saturday like also hoping my parents don't catch me but like probably have a a way out if they did because it was mostly just boobs <laughs> yeah. i wasn't interested in i was like somehow really obsessed with crystal gale about the same time do you know who that is uh, she was like this singer from the 70s that had really long hair that like went to her feet i know the name what does she yeah what does she sing i don't even know i like literally i was it was like a kink for me i was obsessed <laughs> with how long her hair was like I was just like, oh, she looks a bit like um, Amy Lee. Who's Amy Lee? From Evanescence. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was just like obsessed with how like the hair could like go in between her legs or wow, something. Wow, it or, is like, really yeah. long. It's yeah. down to her feet. Yeah, she was like my first crush. Um, but yeah, oh, this... I was just trying to say that I did have sexual feelings. Right, right. Too. I got you. I wasn't. And, I wasn't just a news. And also news, ties okay? back <laughs> ties back into um, Rat Tail Lady. Oh my god, it does. <laughs> and here I have been for all these years with short hair. Oh, you you don't necessarily need to be what you're attracted to. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, thanks love... for the reminder. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> We're, you're still in Cleveland at this point, and oh yeah, but you're, and so you're you're like, I'm gay, but you're not. You haven't told anyone, and you're keep- well. I, yeah, I mean, pretty much, I came out to myself immediately. Tried to make out with this girl, Naomi. We kissed. Yeah, we kissed, and then she threw up right. Oh after. no! We were at a party, and she was drunk. Uh. Yep. <laughs> I'm really sorry if I'm laughing at a, at a deep seated trauma. No, no, it's fine. It, but it, I have to say that it caused me to have a deep fear of vomit for like still. Mm. I I cannot handle it at all. Like I can I can I have like X-ray vision for it and stuff. <laughs> I hope we're not going on too much of a tangent. No, I but... pre- and I promise not to throw up. <laughs> okay cool because really i would hang with yeah. <laughs> she's not kidding <laughs> uh yeah so i pretty much was like out to myself and you know i i, I stopped being friends with this person because she just kind of dissed me <clears throat> when she found out that i was in love with her and um i went to some queer support groups and like made some friends that didn't go to my school um, who were like kind of bi or something and freaks, I would say. Yeah. But for the most part, I was like, didn't have my driver's license until I guess when I was 16, I got it. But there was a point in time where I was stuck in my house being queer and had music and had TV. So I would a hundred percent stay up as late as I needed to in order to like get some queer culture in my veins mm-hmm. and blast a bunch of music. Well, thank God for that 
show. Yeah, it's it was so so important, and I ended up being on it later. When I was in La Tigra, they did like a interview about Mr. Lady Records, which was what the label that La Tigra was mm-hmm. on originally. So it's funny. I was watching it the other day, and it's I am such a tiny creature. <laughs> It's like really embarrassing. Yeah, it's hard to go back and watch those things, but also, especially when you're like not used to media mm-hmm. conversations or anything, mm-hmm. you just have to go back and watch with like kindness for that person. That's true. <laughs> if you can, that's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that person was fine, but there's a couple other things where I'm like, I do not like. You. Yeah. Yeah, fair. You can go away. (laughs) Um, Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with more of the things that made you queer. And we are back with the things that made J.D. Sampson queer. Um, So we're up next to your album or song. Music. And um, you've put Tribe 8, Fist City. Yeah, this one was really hard for me. I mean, as a musician, obviously so much music like affected my identity um, and how I learned about myself as as a kid. And that went from like Wham to Mm -hmm. Janet Jackson to Ani DeFranco, Mm -hmm. you know, even uh, Skunk Anansi Mm -hmm. um, was huge for me. But I chose tribate because i think it was an introduction to me into like this new punk world of like gender non-conformity that um was really integral to my development like as a human being um there was so much play with gender uh both in the record and in their live performance yeah so can you describe them to people yeah so tribate is a punk band from san francisco um, the lead singer is Lenny Breedlove and they would, uh, like wear a strap on in shows and make people suck it. And they would, um, Not it was like a, <laughs> no. um, but they were like really important to the queer core community Mm -hmm. and world. And I think in a lot of ways for me, at least, like, I think they, like I said, they introduced like gender queerness in a really performative way. And so I think that there was like an element of performance art that really like sparked my interest in, in making music um, more in the context of like conceptual art uh in in a more contemporary way mm. through punk music so i think there was something that really like struck a chord with me did you kind of see them before you heard them or or did it all kind of happen at once how did that work yeah this is a crazy story actually so um in cleveland there was this magazine called scene magazine mm-hmm. um which was like the weekly paper where you could learn about concerts mm-hmm. and there was an article about them um playing at Oberlin College which was a liberal liberal arts college like an hour from Cleveland um and you know when I read about it I was like wow who's this queer dyke band queer core band like I want to know more about this and uh 
they ended up like in some lawsuit with the college because they were playing naked and you know <laughs> had like kind of like broke all these rules um at the at the college so I, immediately i was like who are these people i need to know everything and went to the record store record revolution and bought this record fifth city which was like opened my eyes to like this whole new layer of kink and gender play and conversations about power dynamics and all these things that ended up being like really important to my career and, and, and my performance. So, yeah. So they were kind of like the shift to you towards that punk sound. And that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, I think I, I, I was learning about music from like magazines, like, the advocate and out magazine. So I was listening to like Melissa Etheridge and Katie Lang and the Indigo mm -hmm. girls and things like that, mostly because they were queer. Yeah. Like I was just like, I need everything queer. And also in the life, um, hearing about bands that way. But then, you know, this was kind of the first band that opened the door to like queer core and more of, of a queer punk scene out punk. And I ended up like, starting to buy records from pansy division and all these other mm -hmm. bands um in that world yeah like a window into yeah not gay isn't happy but queer isn't fuck you <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah and it was really cool because i i don't know where i would be if i was just um you know a mainstream jock mm. which is what i could have right. been definitely could have gone that direction yeah yeah, I think, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I think about that all the time. Like the, the moments where I just basically barely swerved becoming a total basic gay. Yeah. And I mean, I'm still teetering on the edge constantly, to be completely honest. But like any, like. What is a mainstream gay right now? I mean, I'm talking about a braided um, tail <laughs> and I'm like, is that mainstream or cool? Like, you know, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so uh, had you like thought about making your own music at this point at this point i was taking guitar lessons um and i don't think that my intention was to like be in a band necessarily i really saw it as like a way to be away from my family mm -hmm. and like be with some cool musician guy that i thought knew more about real life than yeah. my family yeah. um and was like a freak, I guess. So it was an excuse to, to be around like a different subculture. But um, I didn't think about being in bands. I had some friends in bands. I went to see bands. But I was really interested in being a filmmaker, actually. Mm -hmm. So I went to college to study experimental film. Um, I was really influenced by this filmmaker, Jennifer Reeves, who I had seen at the art museum. And went to came to New York to study film at Sarah Lawrence College, and there I ended up actually promoting shows and bringing punk bands to come play at my school. So that's kind of how I got into the music scene. Oh, that's cool! So you kind of like an accidental backdoor route. Yeah, and it's funny because I think about how I still promote things or did before COVID, um, and 
how that was really like my first understanding of the industry and that I really came into it to like start community and build spaces where people felt safe and um, safe to like sweat and Mm -hmm. dance and freak out with each Mm -hmm. other. Uh, Yeah. So it's cool to see that kind of, I don't know, come full circle. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um... Wild card. So your last item is your wild card. And, um, I think that takes us to your college days, which I think is a nice transition. And you've put Stone Butch Blues. Yeah. The novel. I read Stone Butch Blues in college. Um, and I don't think it was an assignment. I think it was just like, it was a book that came out in the 90s by Leslie Feinberg um, that was about a person that came of age in the 40s and 50s in Buffalo, New York, mm-hmm. which is actually where my dad is from. Um, so I felt like, particularly and he grew up around the same Mm -hmm. time so i felt like kind of connected in to this like working class culture of upstate new york um and the character kind of weaves in and out of like their own coming to terms with uh their trans masculinity and defining themselves and so for that time it was really you know an important book for trans masculine women mm-hmm. um and uh in considering like butch femme dynamics at, as well as just like um you know transitioning mm-hmm. and a lot of other topics so it was really important for me to read at that time in my life yeah how had you been like previously navigating being butch and did that book kind of change that for you yeah like i i guess i that was the book that made me contextualize like my identity within the framework of a community um, and a history. Mm-hmm. That was the big thing. Like, I was just like, wow, there are, there was like, there were people that came before yeah, me. Like, I didn't I don't know. I mean, is it, <laughs> yeah. Like what it's like narcissistic, but it's also just like, we, it's so important. Like that intergenerational conversation is so integral to like our community dynamics. Mm-hmm. So I was really grateful to have been able to read that and also be able to discuss it with professors at my college um, who were older than me. So I think, you know, it offered a particular context for me to like be able to be fluid mm-hmm. in my, in my masculinity and also to like recognize it as or just like to to let myself like teeter on this on this like precipice of like do I want to transition or not mm-hmm. or something like and that was like a big part of my time in college was kind of thinking about that and um to have this this book in this context was just really important and yeah. have you kind of like when did you become comfortable with that kind of teetering feeling. I think um, through reading this book, it it was very helpful. And also just like how it created community for a bunch of people at my school as well, that I'm like still friends with Uh, to this day. Um, I think we were able to, as I mentioned, just like find community throughout having these conversations. And I think to be honest, being in the public eye 
as this like gender queer person has been really enlightening um, because I really just see myself as, as me. Mm. Um, and I think that, that it's been very helpful to see how just being me has allowed other people to just be them in whatever, with whatever pronouns they want, you know? And so I do think that there's a part of me that just feels like, this is maybe going to sound like a stupid question, but like, did you feel like you had the vocabulary then that we do now? Because like, I've seen the rise of acceptance of people being non-binary in the last I don't know, five, 10 years, definitely since like, um, since I moved to London and since like I kind of became active in those scenes and presumably that predates me. It's like that same narcissism that you were talking about, but like, Mm. um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I can't imagine trying to navigate that in the public space with people trying to understand who you are or what you're about and also potentially not having the right words. You know, you bring up a good point. It's like, yeah, maybe there wasn't the same amount of vocabulary as there is today. And there's there also wasn't the same conversations that are happening today. Mm-hmm. But I think that that kind of is exactly my point, is that the conversation has been always to me from the beginning. Are you, why do you look the way you mm-hmm. do and identify the way you do? Mm-hmm. And I've always been like, I don't care. I don't have an answer. I see. I just am me. So in, in some ways, like it's, it's all the same to me, (laughs) but there are new ways of defining like that non-binary identity and using they, them pronouns, which is like awesome. And I am so happy that there has been like a trans revolution, um, in that people are able to identify. However, they want and there's a lot more acceptance of course we have still have so much work to be done but yeah I do, I do think that like for me not that much has changed I'm just kind of like still I'm also kind of old now so <laughs> I'm not the right person to ask yeah but about what's what's new yeah sure but um <laughs> maybe yeah maybe that piece around you what you said like being just you unapologetically like those are all the kind of steps that we needed in order for the conversation to advance um Hmm. and i often think the same thing that like if i were 10 years younger i would probably call myself non-binary but it wasn't something that i grappled with when i was that like I, i didn't i didn't didn't know the words before and now I just talk about how I play with gender sometimes but like it you know it's just interesting how um we can all be wearing the same shoe but call it a different thing yeah yeah I mean I think labels can be really important for community building and for like law building um and many other reasons but uh I I remember like in my journal from when I was 15 writing like this drawing that said like labels are for food or something. (laughs) Cause it's very pathologizing as well. Yeah. 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 Um, well, thank you so much for sharing all of those things. It's 
It's been really, really fascinating. I really appreciate it. I can't believe our time is up. I know. Well, before we go, um, I want to play a game of But Is It Queer? Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to give I'm you done. some things, and we just have to decide once and for all, definitively, um, no backsees, is it queer or not? Is, is it, it queer? queer? Um, okay, we'll go with an easy one. Um, bidets. Yes. Yeah, I think so too. Having a clean ass is queer. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Totally. I mean, it's like bougie, but um, it shouldn't be. Like bidets for all. But like also just like the sensation. Yes. It's really just, even if you're straight, it's queer. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, for any gender. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an intentional um, sitting on the jet in the hot tub. <laughs> Which yeah. is even if it's straight, it's queer. Yeah, hundred yeah. um, percent. Topical this week: uh, mail-in voting. Is it queer? No. Why not? Well, I just feel like I'm just I'm just learning about this, but I think like in some places they've been doing it for a really long time, and in like Arizona, apparently most of the mail-in ballots are Republican. So I'm just kind of like, no, it's not. No, it's too old. Too, it's too old, too it's... red. <laughs> yeah, fair. Okay, mail-in voting, not queer. Um, shoplifting. Um, <laughs> well, I'm like a major, I'm a major rule follower, so I'm just kind of uh-huh. like, do I want to accept that as queer? Um, yeah, I think it's queer. It's like, it's like punk. I think it is. It depends who from. Yeah. Yeah. It's not queer to shoplift from anything independent, but like shoplifting from Walmart, that's queer. I think. I just immediately go to TJ Maxx for some reason. Right. But same. Do you have that? It, it's TK Maxx here, yeah, but same garbage. Yeah. Right. right. Um, yeah. Okay. Something I found out about today. Um, in a couple of weeks, it's International Men's Day. <laughs> Yes, that is queer. <laughs> Did you ever read International Mail? No. Oh, you have to Google it. It was this like catalog where men, it was like a men's underwear catalog. And somehow my dad got it. Oh. And But he didn't really care about it, but it was like a 80s, 90s thing. You need to look it up. It's like so queer. Right. Just, just yeah. bulges in the post just pages and pages of bulges cool well then maybe international mail is queer but i'm not convinced about international men's day i don't think they need it um okay last one well yeah (laughs) they definitely do last one um aliens but not the movie just like the con like extraterrestrials no we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> we just don't know. <laughs> they could be. I think yeah. by the by definition, they would be so weird, whatever reproductive system they had, that it would have to seem queer to us. I hear that. I mean, they might not even... Reproduce. Have sex. Yeah. Have feelings. True. Which is kind of queer. Well, can you can you be queer without feelings? <laughs> yeah, Apparently, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I made a career out of it. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, okay, well, that's it. We've we've decided those things have been finally labeled. JD, before you go, is there anything you would like to plug? Where can people follow you? What should they do? I don't know. I'm just, I'm on the internet and um, just think about me and send me some. <laughs> I do. Send me some. Actually, yeah, don't follow me. Just like send me some good vibes. I can promise to do that. <laughs> Thanks. And um, hopefully all the listeners will too. Great. Thank you so much, JD. It's been really, really, really a pleasure. Thank you. It's been so fun. And I'll let you get back to panic refreshing the news. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, that is it for us this week. We will be back next week with more of the things that made us queer. I'm loving hearing from you about the podcast and thank you for all your messages and support. As always, sharing on social media and rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts is super helpful. So thank you. Please tell your friends and share it. Until next time, I've been Crystal. Stay sparkly, transparent, and cheap. Oh, and queer. Our theme song is Something Like Summer, graciously provided by Caveboy. This has been a World of Wonder production. Yeah.